understand the next time you play your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Meet Us at Molly's. As always, I am Gina. I'm one of your co-hosts. I am joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. And Ashley. Hi, everybody. We hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving and hopefully didn't break the bank on Black Friday. Um, But we are back (laughs) with a new episode. We are going to cover Chicago Meds Season 3 premiered entitled Speak Your Truth. So, as always, we like to start with the news, but we're going to kind of change it up a little bit for this episode. So, as you know, last week, maybe not the week of Thanksgiving, but the week before, there was some news that broke about Chicago PD's Jason Begay. Jason, as you know, plays Voight. So, in the midst of this horrible scandal going on in Hollywood right now with all the sexual abuse and sexual harassment claims... Uh, NBC issued a bit of a statement basically stating that Jason had some anger issues that they disciplined him for and dealt with and they just kind of wanted to put it out in the open. Is that a good way to summarize it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Deadline was the one that initially reported it. Um, But yeah, like you said, I mean, they just kind of seem to want to put it out there and they just, I guess, contacted Deadline and our Deadline got the exclusive somehow. But yeah, I guess that's a good way. I mean, it kind of came out of the blue. That's what we've been saying is it just kind of came out of nowhere. So I guess that's the best way to describe it since we don't really know what prompted them to come out about it. Yeah, and we decided to forego the news for this episode just so we could solely discuss this for the first bit because... It's a serious issue that we definitely felt that we needed to touch on. So and, you know, we didn't even add our talking points to this into the outline. So what's going to follow here is just a really honest discussion about what's going on, because I don't think the three of us have really worked out exactly how we feel about it yet. I think we're still processing it a bit. So like Rena said, Deadline was the first to report this. They put out an article. I don't remember the date here but they put out an article they were first to report it and some of the interesting points here they said and this is what they said in the article you know he apparently has used highly aggressive and sexual suggestive language consistently as well as intimidating postures and more we have learned now it goes on here because the other articles that came out focused less on the sexually aggressive language and more on the anger issues So this is just tricky territory here because everything that's been coming out of Hollywood has been sexual abuse, this, sexual harassment, that. And this is more focused on the anger. So as the article goes on to say, it says these complaints and the investigation were focused on anger issues, yelling and screaming by Begay that members of production found deeply offensive. And then the last note here for the Deadline article said that one source told of incidents of stunts and other altercations with Begay that got far too physical and left actors injured. That's the part that set off alarm bells in my head. What, Brenner or Ashley, like, how do you, how do you feel about this with this first article? I mean, I think while I agree that now that, especially now that you say that, that a lot of articles haven't focused on the 
sexually suggestive language part. I think it's also in part because Jason's statement, which we're going to get to in a little bit, you know, he talks, I think he kind of also shifts the focus a little bit on his anger issues because he talks about how he struggled with those kind of, with those issues for so some time and that, you know, over the past year he's been working on that. So I think that's also part of the reason why the conversation has been shifted to the anger part rather than the sexually suggestive language. But yeah, I think you're right, Jean. I think one of the things that really took me aback and made me kind of start thinking, and like Gina said earlier, you know, I'm still processing this, you know, especially with the holiday, it's kind of been hard to really flush out how I feel about this just because my mind's been in a bunch of other places and rightfully so. But yeah, I think the part where, you know, you get to see where you see things about incidents of stunts and other altercations, you know, that have gotten too far too physical and left people injured. That's concerning. And it's also kind of concerning that, you know, we don't know when this took place and when all these incidents took place, but the fact that none of it's gotten out and that NBC covered NBC, I'm assuming it was NBC, you know, covered it so well that nobody knew about it. Like that's also, I guess, something that was alarming to me. Yeah, Ashley, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, like they covered it up like really good because like nobody even knew about it. So like I agree with what y'all said and like the whole incident injured stuff was kind of confusing kind of. Was it also this article? I can't remember which one it is. I'm going to try to look at it right now because I have them pulled up. But was it the deadline article or was it a different one that was talking about um, I think it was Deadline. Hold on, let me look at it real quick. Oh, yeah, it was Deadline. So something that also kind of, because especially because Deadline was the first one, something that kind of took me back first was, you know, when it says, in recent months, star Sophia Bush left the show, and at least one other actress and a crew member seemingly have been written out of PD or reassigned to another Wolf production. So obviously, we all know about Sophia Bush leaving, and then you know, all the speculation that kind of came after that, that maybe it had something to do with Jason and maybe it didn't and whatever. And that's a whole, we'll talk about that part of the conversation in a minute. But, you know, the fact that, you know, there's at least one other actress and a crew member who were also affected that we didn't even know about him. I mean, we speculated in our text, but we still really have no idea. You know, that was also something that was really alarming to me. Yeah, and... I mean, I guess this is a good time to kind of discuss the issue of this Hollywood scandal in its entirety now. But I know as a woman myself, when I read about, you know, the sexual language and, you know, the anger issues and all this stuff, it didn't surprise me because there have been so many incidents in my life where, you know, I've dealt with angry men or men who say offensive things and you just kind of have to suck it up because, you know, that's how men are. I don't know if, I mean, it, it struck a little bit of a nerve with me. I don't know if it did for you guys, did it? Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I think like you said, Jean, I think as a woman, you know, it's something we're just so aware of, but and especially I feel like people like us who try to be educated on this kind of thing and, you know, we read all the stuff about the Hollywood and we talked about it pretty much every day, especially in terms of the One Tree Hill stuff. I mean, we were constantly talking about every single article, every single piece of news that came out about this. But, you know, not everybody is like that. And so I don't even know where I was going. But, yeah, I think it's just 
it's just really it's still despite the fact that it happens all the time it doesn't mean that every little thing shouldn't be you know everyone's story shouldn't be told and that um it's something that doesn't need to be addressed because it does it absolutely needs to be addressed and i mean the fact that there were physical altercations if what this deadline article says is you know entirely true that is the part where i kind of disagreed with how nbc chose to handle this but that could just be me i don't know this kind of leads into the next article that we had which was after deadline picked this up ew was the next one to pick this up and so entertainment weekly you know the most notable thing from their article they said quote when it was brought to our attention that there were concerns about inappropriate behavior on set, we promptly began an investigation in partnership with human resources and all parties involved. This is what NBC, UTV, and Wolf Entertainment said in a statement. As a result of the investigation, we've already taken action, and it is a situation we continue to monitor very closely to ensure all of our employees feel safe and supported. Here's the thing. I cannot imagine that these actors who were injured or these people who these altercations got physical with, I can't imagine they feel too safe with Jason still on set. Yeah. No, I can't imagine that either. And it also, I mean, the whole conversation about that they promptly began an investigation, you know, in partnership with Human Resources, like that just brings so many questions to my mind, you know, First of all, how long was the investigation? When, you know, when did this incident occur? You know, was it something that happened last year, two years ago? I mean, there's so many questions just about the investigation in general. And, you know, also why, you know, it's clearly, it's clear that someone in NBC, you know, was the one that gave this story to Deadline. I don't think Deadline did some, like, great investigative reporting and kind of came up with all this stuff on their own. So why are they coming? Not that I don't think it's important, obviously, to come out with this story, but why is this story coming out now? Like, to me, and I was talking to you guys just about this just a few minutes ago, to me, it just kind of seems that NBC's trying to cover their butt in case, you know, with all of these stories that are coming out now, if someone did choose to speak out about their time, on the set of Chicago BD and their time with Jason, then, and NBC hadn't been able to get in front of it, then they would have been 10 times as more screwed. So I feel like this is just them covering their butt. Yeah, which, yeah, which is kind of which is problematic on their in itself. Right, and yeah. it's, prob- it's problem. I just, and a lot of things, and something I've been thinking about, and I was thinking about this morning as I was flying back um, from Thanksgiving holiday was, the first thing when I hear the word investigation now just kind of brings the whole Bachelor in Paradise to my mind. And like, you know, that investigation when it happened, you know, everything about that was so immediate because of social media and because of the people who were involved on sets. Like that got out so fast. And to me, yes, it is a very different situation because of just what happened and the fact that it's a reality television show and that that was being filmed and it was going to air within like, a few weeks of it filming there's so it's a whole different situation but I think about that and I'm like oh well that got out so fast and I'm glad it got out so fast because it prompted you know all these different kind of conversations or whatever but if this is seems if this seems like it was something that happened a long time ago so I'm just 
it still blows my mind that it never got out and that, I don't know, it just, yeah. But it, I can't also help but compare it to Bachelor in Paradise either. Yeah, and now that you bring that up, I'm kind of sick of these networks and, I mean, these entities because, as I mean, I'm a big gymnastics fan outside of television and obviously there's a whole big old scandal happening with USA Gymnastics right now. And so I'm really sick of these networks and these industries in general hiding behind the word investigation. You know, don't hide behind that word. What does this investigation entail? Because for all we know, NBC's investigation could have just been like asking Jason, hey, did you do this? And him saying no and then being like, "Mm, okay, let's spin this. Right, exactly. So like at least with Bachelor in Paradise, you know, we know that every single cast member was, you know, and especially as much as I think people had the right to kind of say maybe they focused a little too much on the whole thing when it actually aired because – I mean, it was a whole five hours before we actually got to really see anything happen on Bachelor in Paradise this summer because it was so much, the beginning of it was so much focused on the investigation. I kind of like that we got to see a little bit of that because we know exactly who they interviewed for the most part. You know, they interviewed all the cast members, all the crew members, all the producers, all of this. Like, you got to see a little bit of insight into the process of the investigation while not actually, like, being at the table, but, like, seeing a little bit of, you know, who they interviewed and all of this stuff. But this, we have no idea about anything. So, like you said, Gina, for all we know, they could have interviewed Jason, and that was it. I mean, I doubt that's what they did. You know, I I like to believe that they at least talked to both sides of the parties. But, you know, we have no idea if they interviewed people like extras who were on set that day, producers, crew members. We have no idea about anything. You know, like you said, for all they know, we just they interviewed, like, basically just the people who came forward, and that was it. Yeah. And I mean, it may sound like we're being awfully skeptical of NBC here, but I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Actually, I take that apology back. I feel like as a woman, we are as women, we have to be skeptical of these things. We have to pay a ton of attention to this to make sure that these issues get dealt with. Right. And I feel like and you know, and that's not to say that if NBC came out with a detailed report of you know, this is who he interviewed and this like tomorrow that I wouldn't believe them either, you know, but until all, all we have right now, all we're going off of is what we have right now, which are these comments and these are these very few articles. And, you know, all we can do is make speculation and try to add some kind of piece to the conversation and that's really what we're trying to do here so that's all we really can do but like I said it's not to say that if NBC came out with a report about this investigation tomorrow that I wouldn't read through it and be like okay yeah they did the right thing because I would if that was the case same absolutely so TV line also issued an article about this this is all this was in rapid succession it was just kind of deadline got wind of it and then all of the articles started to pour in and so there was also one from TV line and there were a lot of other links about this issue that we may not have included here but you know if we missed any feel free to send them our way but TV line put out another one and they said that NBC investigated Begay last year after receiving multiple complaints about the actor's volatile behavior on set He was subsequently reprimanded and assigned a coach to help him deal with his anger management issues. When I hear that he was assigned a coach, it seems like they just put a Band-Aid on the problem. Yeah, that's also, you know, and we're going to get into this because, you know, we got a lot of DMs and a lot of people, you know, brought up kind of the future of PD and just kind of how 
his punishment was. But if that was truly all his punishment was, that's really disheartening. And I'm Very not, much. you know, we're going to talk about, you know, should he have been fired and whatever. And that's a kind of a whole separate conversation. But if that's all his punishment was, then they did a really bad job because that's not the way you handle it. That's not saying he shouldn't have also been assigned a coach, but there should have been something additional there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it doesn't seem like a punishment at all, to be honest. Yeah, it just seems like he's like there he's getting help. Like he needs to to my opinion, he needs to be punished for it. Right, exactly. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like they're teaching you, okay, this is how you're not gonna do this in the future. And that's great, and that's exactly what he all, he needs. But he also needs to be like, okay, you did do this in the past, and that's not okay. And this is how we're going to punish you for it. Right. It just seems like by NBC doing this and just giving him a quote-unquote reprimand and getting him a coach, they're clearly prioritizing the show over everybody else's health and well-being. But newsflash, NBC, this is an ensemble show. One cast member does not make or break the entire series. Right. And I think, you know, as fans and as much as we love this show and we love this franchise and stuff like that, I don't want to see anyone's physical health, mental health, and just like well-being put in harm's way because they cared more about making a show and trying to make fans happy. What really makes me happy is seeing that this cast and crew is, you know, treated fairly and you know treated with respect and you know that they're okay and they're they feel safe doing the job that they love because in the end plots don't really matter this cast is what matters to me a whole lot more and I don't want to see them treated this way yeah absolutely seconded thirded yeah I completely agree with that and I mean it's no secret that the three of us are One Tree Hill fans. And clearly the lid has been blown off of that show with their sex abuse scandal that's happened. And it's disturbing. And that's a show that has meant so much to all of us. And with that news, it's kind of, it's upsetting. It's not kind of upsetting. It's upsetting because that's a show that means so much to us. And now we know that these actresses went through literal hell to give it to the fans. And that's... Yeah not that's not right nobody should have to deal with that in their workplace right and I think the fact that especially with the One Tree Hill stuff the fact that it's coming out after the fact and the fact that they weren't they didn't feel like they could come to people in the network or I mean just anyone and besides each other and feel safe sharing this information I think the thing that gives me just a slight bit hope about maybe this one is that it is a different age you know one tree hill might not have gone off the air that long ago what it's been like five years since it went off the air but you know so much about our world and our society has changed and that at least maybe with chicago bd you know the fact that it's coming out now while the show is still filming the show is still airing you know these whoever was involved you know cast crew members whatever i hope that they now feel like they have a voice and then by them Hopefully, if they speak, choose to speak out, that they have, you know, they realize that their voice can make a difference and will change and 
be create a better environment on the set in the future as the show moves forward for whoever chooses to come on next. Absolutely. And this is why NBC's response to this issue by just reprimanding him and giving him an anger coach. That's why it's so disheartening is because, you know, the climate has changed such that, you know, it's shifting towards people speaking up more and it's changed this way so that proper action can be taken. But when all you do is give this guy a slap on the wrist and say, no, that's bad and give him an anger coach, that's completely counterproductive to the reason why the climate has changed. Right. And I feel like, you know, it almost kind of forces the females, presuming it was all females, that Jason offended or hurt or, you know, all of this, you know, it kind of almost backs them in a corner of a way because right now they've chosen to kind of stay. And I mean, it's been speculated. It's never been confirmed that Sophia was one of the ones involved. But whoever these kind of other two that chose to remain anonymous to the deadline stuff, you know, it's kind of backed them into a corner because it's almost like, well, NBC kind of took a, you know, they're like, yeah, we recommended you and gave you an actor or an anger coach. And, you know, that's the way we're going to deal with it. But it almost kind of backs them in corner and maybe makes them feel like, you know, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. But it, to me, it would almost make me feel like if I was in that situation, like I have no choice but to speak out, you know, against NBC and against Chicago PD and against all these things. Because without that way, then nothing's going to change. And I wonder, and I again, I don't know anything, but I wonder if that's maybe how the whole One Chicago, I mean, not the One Chicago, the One Tree Hill stuff came about. It's just people felt like they were backed into a corner and that nothing was ever going to change until they spoke out. But I don't, it almost feels like now they're kind of forced into it. And I don't want that to be the case either, because if they want to remain anonymous, they should be able to remain anonymous. Yeah. That should be enough. Just them coming forward should be enough. But in some cases it's not. And that sucks. Very much so. So Jason did issue a statement on November 21st, which was about a week ago now. Um, and the st- statement just said, you know, I'm deeply sorry for my behavior, which I know has been hurtful to my friends and colleagues. I've struggled with anger issues for some time. And over the past year, I've been working with a coach to help me learn how to mitigate my temper. It's an ongoing process and it has been a humbling one. It's a source of great pride for me to be part of Chicago PD's incredible cast and crew. I personally apologize to anyone who I have upset and I am committed to doing what is necessary to make up any damage that I may have caused. Tell me if you guys feel the same here, but these apologies that come out, I just roll my eyes and I'm like, oh, please save the bullshit. Yeah, for sure. It's saving face. It's saving face. And there's just so many contradictions in here that I don't buy a word of it. No, I don't either. Ashley, were you going to say something? No, I agree. I just, and think of the double standard here, because if a woman marches onto set just ranting and raving with anger issues, she doesn't get an anger coach, she gets fired. Yep. And that's like, I've been reading on Twitter, and I think somebody sent us a message or something, I'm tired, it's like, women keep losing their jobs over this, but men don't. Yeah. Yeah. This is crazy. Like, women should not be losing their jobs. The men should be when it's their fault. Right. Right. Like, I think I know the tweet you're talking about. I can't remember who sent it, but it was something about being tired of losing or keeping mediocre men 
over phenomenal women. It's just such a double standard. And, okay, over the past year, he's been working with a coach. So that means that this has been going on for at least a year or longer. And NBC just decided to tell us now. Yeah. And, I mean, that's alarming. And then when he says it's a source of great pride for me to be part of Chicago PD, if it's such a source of great pride, why would you fuck it up with your attitude like that? Right. And it's like, well, even if you did fuck it up, then why... Why didn't you do something about it as soon as it happened? Like, why is NBC kind of having to force you into this quote-unquote punishment in order for you to take the steps to fix it? Like, I understand, you know, people have their own issues. Like, I get that that's something you maybe not necessarily could control. But once it did get out of hand the first time, maybe you should have been like, oh, shit, this is something I need to take care of. Like, I need to get some help. Yeah, and I mean... The anger issues here are just as serious as the sexual abuse, sexual harassment allegations here. It's just as serious. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think some people tend to, you know, see sexual abuse as kind of the worst thing that could happen. And, you know, I mean, teach one's own. I mean, it's pretty fucking awful. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that anything else that happens that may be seen as lesser is lesser. I mean, they're both terrible things and neither one should, nothing, none of it should happen to anybody. Right. None of it should happen to anybody. And just, oh, it's crazy. And, you know, he says, I'm committed to doing what's necessary to make up any damage that I may have caused. Mm, Would you still be so committed if NBC hadn't outed you? Yeah. Just, oh. So, you know, we we opened this up on Twitter. You know, we said we definitely wanted to discuss this and we wanted it to be an open, free-flowing discussion. So we got a number of direct messages and emails here. And so, you know, the first one we got, we got one from Jennifer. And this is kind of regarding the sexually offensive language. And she says, now I'm even more creeped out by that hug he gave Upton. And Hell I agree. Yeah. yeah, I agree 110% because that creeped me out the minute it happened. I Yeah. Speaking from personal experience, I had a boss who was a little too huggy with his employees and it creeped me the fuck out every single time. So I am 110% with Jennifer here. That's creepy as hell. Yeah, for sure. So another one we got was a DM from Jessica and Jessica said, you know, in no way is she defending Jason. Nobody should feel unsafe in a work environment ever. But the way it sounds to me is he was told to either get help or he was out. I think Jason really enjoys his job and he decided to get help. It's unfortunate that some people don't think someone can change. And someone can change. Absolutely people can change. But it doesn't make what they've done any better. 100% agree. Yeah. And, and no, nobody should feel unsafe in a work environment under any circumstance. But... I mean, it's just, it's disheartening to me that, you know, if that, if it was the case that she says that they said either get help or you're out, again, double standard. There's no way they would ever afford that opportunity to a female cast member. Never. No, never. Just, I don't know. And I can't help but wonder if Jason really did enjoy his job, then why would he let his anger issues affect it this way? It's just a million questions. And, yeah. like, if he needed help, he's, 
they could have like wrote him off the show for like a couple episodes or like however long they needed to for him to go and get help and then put him back on the show. Exactly. Like what they did with Ruzik, how he was gone for six episodes and came back. Exactly. Right. Well, I think about too, I mean, before he passed away, you know, that's kind of what Glee did with Cory Monteith. They wrote him out at the end of season four when he was originally in rehab for his alcoholism. And the plan was for him to come back for season five. And then, unfortunately, obviously, he passed away that summer before season five started filming and airing. But that was the plan. And I think, yes, it kind of, when you look at it from a plot stance, it made no sense. Because, you know, all of a sudden, Finn was here. And then all of a sudden, Finn's not here. And it was just like, well, what the fuck? But if you actually paid attention to what was happening in the Glee universe and you knew that this was the case, it was totally the right part on Ryan Murphy to do that. Because, you know, they wrote him out. They said, you need to go get help. And we support you in your decision to do that. And that's what happened. Because there are more important things in life than what's going on in the fictional 21st district. There's more important things happening. Right. And just like PD, Chicago, I mean, just like Chicago PD, Glee was an ensemble show. So it wasn't like, yes, Finn was the one of the main characters, but there's, you know, 20 other characters on that show that they could focus on for the like three or four episodes that they needed to focus on for the end of the season. Chicago PD, while they don't have nearly as many characters as Glee does, but there's plenty of other characters that they could have focused on if they needed, if Jason needed to go actually get help from, you know, a treatment center or whatever, you know, they could have, they could have handled it a lot better and covered it up in plot. Even that small action of just writing him out for a couple of episodes, that would have shown a lot more action on NBC's part than just giving him an anger coach. Right, for sure. And I mean, you know, had that maybe still not worked, then that's a whole different story. But at least NBC was trying to do everything that they could before it came to firing him or whatever they would have taken after that. But at least it would have shown, hey, we care you know, about not only you, Jason, but about, you know, the safety and well-being of everyone else that's involved in this production. We think this is the best way to go. Like, you know, we're really trying to avoid any more conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another DM we got was from Hallie. And Hallie said, you know, she does wonder what will happen in the fallout of this if Jason will be fired. Because Voight's character adds that other dimension that I love to the show, and Jason does a great job at that. I think we've seen the fallout, and the fallout is he got a slap on the wrist and an anger coach, and now he stays. Yep. But, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. What? um, I don't want to say, do you wish that he was fired because of this, because that just sounds wrong. But what do you feel like an appropriate punishment would have been? Oh my gosh, this is something I've been thinking about. And, you know, it's hard to say because I don't really know. I don't know enough about the situation. I don't know. I don't know anybody that was involved personally. You know, it's hard for me to say what the appropriate punishment would have been. But as someone who has just read what she's read and, you know, has had conversations with you guys about it, that's pretty much it. You know, in my head, I've concluded that there needed to be more done. Um, I don't know if a suspension would have done it or I don't know if he should have been fired, but there needed to be some some kind of more 
some kind of action. I don't, I mean, I'm still like at a loss for words. Like I really don't know. Um, just because again, that's not my place to speak on, but something I personally, I feel something more should have been done. That's all I really can say. Ashley. Yeah, I think something more, something more should have been done. If that was like him getting written out to go get help or just like a suspension for a couple of hosts, I don't know, something should have been done, not just getting a coach to. Right, because by getting this coach, it shows that NBC, it, yeah, it shows that they're condoning this, that they, you know, they will stand for an atmosphere like this if it means producing a successful show. Right, and which, I think for I think for me, too, when I read, you know, Hallie talking about how Voight's character adds this other dimension to the show that she loves. And it's like, well, yes, I mean, obviously, I love the show. I mean, I w- we wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't love all these shows. But for me, I've never been a personally, I've never hated Voight. But Voight's never been my fair- favorite character. He's never been something that draws me to PD. It's always been all the other characters. And I think... Voight just maybe added a tiny bit to it, but he's never been, like, my main reason for watching. So, and I don't remember who was tweeting about this, but I saw this somewhere on Twitter, and I was like, I wholeheartedly agree that he could have been kind of easily have faded way more into the background, kind of like he has been this season. And maybe that's part of the reason, that's part of the fallout of this whole thing, is Voight has faded into the background a little bit this season. But I haven't even really noticed, and I haven't really cared that he's, faded more into the background like to me that's never been the show that I love the, like the Voight part of it Voight was just kind of always there so if he had been suspended from the show or even fired I still would have loved PD probably just as much as I do because I love it for so many other reasons than I do Voight Same. and like speaking I don't know I think I read this somewhere maybe y'all say it was like they gave him like three strikes and he's only strike one or two and he has like a couple more then he's out right and that's one not the way is, it should be right one strike is one strike too many yeah Just, so the last DM we got was from Rachel and Rachel is very similar to us in that she has a lot to say and we love it So one of the first things she said, she goes, here's the thing. Unlike most of the other accusations that are being uncovered every other day, Jason's is about anger issues and some pretty serious ones since they've ended up in physical injuries, sending someone to the hospital. Again, agreed. The fact that this is more towards anger than sexual abuse and sexual harassment doesn't mean a thing. They're equally as serious. So she says, I'm glad Jason's getting help. He should. And I hope he gets better. But I'm sorry if you're going to behave badly, you don't get a pass because you're number one on the call sheet. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Yeah. So I don't care who you are. And I'm sick and tired of seeing women leave their jobs because of men who make the work environment toxic for them. It's not fair. It just isn't. Whether it's sexual harassment, assault, or anger issues, none of it is right. They may not be equal in their gravity, but they are all wrong. They are equal in their gravity, though. If it makes somebody feel unsafe and it gives them anxiety to come to work, then it's equal in gravity, and that shouldn't be the case. Right, but I agree that it doesn't matter which which part of the spectrum to use. Not, I don't know what phrase I should use here, but... You know, none of it's right, and it's still all wrong, no matter what it is. But I agree that it's equal, and they're equal in their gravity, because like you said, no one should feel unsafe to come to work, or 
they can't go do something they enjoy because of someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so she goes on to say, I guess this explains the weird Voight we're getting this season. They can't show him as violent as he was because I guess they knew this news was coming out. It also makes all those times when the cast would say that of the people, most like their character, Jason was Voight. That's not funny anymore, just disturbing. Yes, yes, a hundred times, yes. And I had marked this down as well that it was kind of disturbing because the times that I have inquired about, you know, what is Jason like in real life? Is he is he just like Voight? Because that's terrifying. And the times that I've gotten feedback, people are like, he's wonderful. He's so gentle. But the only times that he's been described gentle have been by men, which is so telling. Yeah. And I think it was also in something we were talking about, you know, the day that this came out, we saw a tweet was it Christina that had tweeted about the the SAG interview that Jason and Jesse yes. did where he talked yes. about him getting kicked off the SVU set because of him, like, stomping his foot and, you know, they kind of just laughed it off in the interview. But, you know, I had never seen that interview, again, partly because I'm still kind of new to this fandom and I there's a lot of things I still haven't seen yet. But... I re I went back that day and I rewatched the whole like fifty minute interview. And if you haven't seen, there's some other, there's some good parts of the interview, but that part especially, you know, I think it was something maybe in the moment when it happened because that interview came out like last year, like June 2016. I'm sure people kind of just dismiss it, and the interviewer seemed to dismiss it just because like, oh, it's Voight, you know, Voight stomps off the set and ha 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 ha. But that's a moment I'm never going to be able to look at the same. Like the fact that he can't go back on. And it's probably why we haven't seen any other SVU crossovers. And maybe just also the fact that we had met now and Justice and we didn't need SVU to cross over with anymore. But, like, I'm sure that's a part of it. And I can't, I can't unsee, I can't unhear that. Same. And why is another show taking harsher action than the show he's actually on? Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's scary. And so, and yeah, I I completely echo what Rachel said that it's not funny anymore. It's downright disturbing because every disturbing thing that Void does from here on out, I mean, we're going to attribute it to Jason. I mean, we shouldn't, and we should be able to separate the character from the actor, which of course, you know, we'll be able to do, but it's still going to be the first thing our minds go to. Right. And it doesn't mean, you know, I'm always going to, whether, you know, whatever other fallout comes from this and, you know, whatever happens in the future, this is something that's still going to stick with me when I, anytime I think about Jason, um, at my Thanksgiving lunch, my cousins and I, and my cousins don't, I mean, they kind of watch, eh, kind of, sort of, not really, but we were talking about Chicago PD and stuff the other day and someone was mentioning, they're like, oh yeah, the star of that show is in something else. And we started getting on a whole conversation but this had already come out, and, like, that was the first thing I thought of when we were talking about Jason. And I know that's wrong, but it's what's going to happen. Like, I just, I can't, it's, I'm never going to be able to separate it from Jason. I can probably separate it from Voight, but that doesn't mean that just because of who the character of Voight is doesn't mean I'm not going to wonder, you know, what other shady things Voight's done in his past. Um, not that I already don't wonder that, but. I'm not going to wonder that 10 times more now. Um, So it's just, it just sucks. I mean, the whole situation sucks for all parties. It does. And that was the one word that came up from everybody we heard from was disappointing. 
Yeah. Which it, this it, absolutely it, is. Yeah. It's so disappointing. Yeah. And so the last thing that Rachel goes on to say is she goes, you know, I won't be able to look at him the same way, which I won't. Will you guys? No. No. Which also leads me into the question here, because, you know, a lot of the fandom has been discussing this is that, you know, does this change Chicago PD for you? No. Just because, I mean, it does when it comes to the fact that Void is still technically the main character. And like, I mean, we were just saying, you know, we should be able to separate the actor from the character. But until I think maybe this gets a little bit more cleared up, it's going to be hard to. Doesn't mean I can't do it, but it doesn't mean it's also not going to be hard. Um, but for me, PD has always been so much more about the ensemble and the other characters. And like I was just saying earlier, you know, Voight's always probably been my least favorite character. Not to say I hate him, but in, if I'm ranking, we all know who my number one is, Jay Halstead. And we all, Voight is at the bottom. And so everyone else just falls in between. And so for me, you know, I'm always so much more interested in what ha- what Antonio's up to and, you know, is Bersic ever going to get back together and why can't we get Atwater a ship? And even now Upton, you know, I want to know more about her past and how she's going to be there as a partner for Jay who's going through all this stuff. I mean, there's just so many other questions I have and so much, so many other people and characters that I want my screen time to be focused on that. Yes, this whole situation sucks, but it doesn't change PD for me. Right. Ashley, how do you feel? Well, I'm going to go off with something she said. Do y'all think there is going to be more information that's going to come out from this? I would hope so, but I can't say for sure. And I I mean, maybe I doubt it, but I don't know. The whole thing, the, I think it's the whole kind of I don't know comes from the fact that NBC got out, got got this out first they got out their side of the story first so i don't know i think if they're telling the truth that it was just anger issues and they did just get him a coach i don't think anything further will come out of this if they're covering stuff up then more will come out and it will turn into an even bigger issue yeah and so i'd hope they wouldn't like going off of what you just said gina i hope that they're not just covering it up because this is already a big issue and i don't need to see I don't need it to turn into even more of a shit show to excuse my language and my lack of phrasing. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is already pretty much, it's already bad and I don't, it doesn't need to turn worse, not only for my sake as a fan, but for more importantly, the people who are involved sake, because they should be able to get the chance to move on. And I hope NBC's not covering it up so that, they don't get the, I don't know. It's just, it's so many things. Right. And again, I know that we sound a little skeptical of NBC here, but we have to be. I mean, it's, it's more important that people feel like they can go to work in a safe environment than it is for us to, you know, dissect and discuss our shows at length. It's more important that these people feel safe. Right. And I think, you know, part of the reason why, you know, we debated about whether, well, not really debated, but we did have a discussion about whether we wanted to have this conversation in lieu of all our other news. And I think for all three of us, it was really important not to put words in your guys' mouths, but I think it was really important for us to have this conversation in this podcast because that's why we started this podcast in the first place is that, you know, you can only say so much in tweets and we all know how Twitter can be 
you know, sometimes you say what you believe and it might not be what someone else agrees with and then you just get so much shit and then you don't feel like you have a safe, safe space to come to. And also just, you know, 140 or now 280 characters, like, is it enough to have a real full-length discussion on something that has so many layers and so many contradictory things like this issue and so that's exactly the reason why we wanted to start this podcast in the first place is because we wanted a long form place where we could discuss all of our feelings and all of our thoughts and know that this is a safe space and a lot of what we were getting in our dms were people thanking us for you know allowing them to come into our dms and share their thoughts and feelings and you know we touched on a few of them that we hope we hope, I hope we weren't exposing people's thoughts and that if we did, you know, that's not our intention. We were just trying to add to the conversation by what you send us in your DMs. But yeah, I just think that's exactly why we started this podcast is obviously we didn't want something like this to come out, but you know, I'm glad that we have this podcast and this medium for situations like this. Exactly. Very well said. And that just, you know, and just because we're discussing it at this time does not mean that, you know, our DMs are closed. If you still have feelings about this and you still want to discuss this with us in the weeks to come, again, our DMs are open, our inbox is open. Any way you want to get in touch with us, we're listening and we're ready to talk. So, you know, you can always get in touch with us. Meet us at mollys at gmail.com. But of course, we'll reiterate that at the end of the show. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And so it's just it's a crazy topic. It's really disheartening to see what has happened. But, you know, I hope that if God forbid this happens again, that NBC will do the right thing and basically say that this is not the space for that. We don't condone this behavior and take the appropriate action. Yeah, 100%. I hope if it came out you know, in a different show and a different network with different actors and whatever, I'd hope that those other networks would take different um, approaches than what NBC did. But exactly. Time will exactly. tell. So, yeah, let's move <laughs> into the discussion of the season premiere. I just want to like shake it out and like, uh, you know, reset a little bit. So. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about something happy just to give us a little interlude here. How was y'all's Thanksgiving? It was really great. Um, I went home for the first time in 11 months. I had not been home since January. I had seen some of my family, um, you know, for like graduation and things like that. But I hadn't been home in 11 months. And it was good. It was really good to see a lot of my family. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, I was only home for a couple of days. But it was a nice little refresher. How was your guys' breaks? Or not breaks. Yeah, breaks, whatever, holidays. <laughs> I'm still thinking, I'm like, this is really weird for me too because it's my first time, you know, I graduated college in May. So, like, this is my first time, like, not seeing it as this, like, I have to get to Thanksgiving break so I could have this breather. You know, it's it was a really weird time because, like, I kept forgetting Thanksgiving was coming. Like, it'd be, like, last weekend I was like, oh, yeah, Thanksgiving's in, like, less than a week. Whereas in college and even in high school and middle school, you know, I was just looking forward to Thanksgiving break so much because it was such a break from school and I needed that breather so much. It was really weird to not have to worry about anything school related during this break. Like it was super weird. 
<laughs> Ashley, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Had family over. We ate. You didn't get sick? Yeah, you didn't get sick. I didn't get sick. Everybody's been sick in my house. I didn't get sick. So it was good. It's good. And now we know who has the best immune system of the three of us. (laughs) It is definitely not me. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I had a good Thanksgiving as well. It was just really nice with family and friends and, you know, our uh, quest to watch Thanksgiving football was thwarted because apparently CBS is having a dispute with DirecTV. And that was funny because my entire hometown freaked out because, you know, don't take the Cowboys away from us. And that was funny because Dallas as a whole just freaked. But it was a really good Thanksgiving. It was nice. Some time to just like be away from work and everything. So, but now we are back. Not that this is work. We love this. Um, Yeah. But yeah, we're back. And so, yeah. So we just need a little interlude there to kind of (laughs) like shake off the serious stuff. So. All right, let's jump into the episode. So once again, this is the season three premiere of Chicago Med, season three, episode one, entitled Speak Your Truth. So we broke this down by storyline this time. There were a lot of moving parts in this premiere, so we're just going to jump right in. We're going to start with Dr. Charles, because obviously there was the big cliffhanger at the end of season two. So the episode opened exactly where the finale left off. Poor Dr. Charles is just laying in the street, bleeding out, and... So Miss Goodwin finds him and he and the guy who shot him, Mr. Kellogg, they're both alive. So Goodwin finds him and she just kind of takes charge and she helps rush him back into the hospital and Rhodes is waiting for him. So they get into the elevator and Rhodes is like, we're going to take good care of you. And that's the teaser. So then we fast forward like two or three months. So that's about it. Okay. My thing (laughs) is, though, is I wish... They had shown either, I mean, I wish they had shown more of the incident. I mean, I they should have either shown more of the incident and, like, that night that it happened or just not shown that little bit at all. I mean, on I'm on the hand that I wish they had shown more of the incident just because it seemed a little too rushed to me. Like, I have so many questions. How did everyone find out about Dr. Charles? Was Rhodes the one who did his emergency surgery? Did the bullet hit anything? Did they tell Robin when it happened or did they wait because of everything she was going through just so many questions I wanted to be addressed and the fact that they kind of showed them finding Dr. Charles and then just like foregoing all of that like I wish they had either just foregone all of that or shown us more and I want to decide that I wish they had shown us more but yeah and I mean I see of course that they wanted to you know they time jumped to catch everything up with PD and fire of course and that they wanted to you know provide the jumping off point for the rest of the season but by jumping ahead so quickly it kind of shows that they just did it for shock value yeah which I was not a fan of and like I said I just have so many questions and I think the thing that I think there's two things that really would have served the rest of the story they did tell well maybe just one thing I kind of just selfishly wanted to see how the Robin stuff happened just because I think, you know, maybe it would have helped tell her story now that seeing, you know, you know, with everything that happened with her tumor and stuff, maybe, you know, how did she handle it? Did they think she was too much, you know, still recovering from her thing when this whole thing happened? I mean, cause that, that's everything happened the night she had had her surgery So maybe they decided to wait a week and tell her and how did she react to that, whatever. But I also think the most important thing is how did everyone else find out about it? Because to me, I think that would have been the perfect jumping off point for Natalie's sabbatical if she realizes, oh, 
you know, life is too short, you know, we can get shot at any second, I need to take some time off and think about things. But to me, and we're going to talk about Natalie's sabbatical a little bit later, but to me, it just kind of seemed like so random that Natalie randomly took three months off and now she's back. Like, it just seemed so random to me. Exactly. So to me, I just think the way that they, they could have used the aftermath of Dr. Charles shooting a little bit better to serve all the stories they wanted to tell when they fast forwarded three months later. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we fast forward and Connor's just kind of giving him a checkup. And so they discuss how Connor's on his way to pick up Robin after she spent the last few months in inpatient rehab because that's still going on. And Dr. Charles can't go because he's testifying at Kellogg's attempted murder trial. And Connor has a moment here where he looks at Dr. Charles and he's like, well, the guy could have died and it would have made everyone's life a little easier, huh? Oh, damn, Connor. Like, tell us how you really feel. I just think it's funny because there was a couple lines, and I think this is definitely one of them, where that's how we all obviously clearly felt, but we would have never said that. But the writers did a really good job of, like, I guess reading how their audience would have felt in that moment and just putting it into characters' mouths. But that's how we were all feeling. Nobody would have just actually said it like that. Yeah, yeah. And so Dr. Reese goes to support Dr. Charles during his testimony, and she's pretty stunned when she hears that Dr. Charles is supporting the defense's claim that Kellogg was legally insane at the time of the shooting. So it, when, you know, when he says that he was insane, it throws off uh, ASA, or not ASA, I'm sorry, uh, Peter Stone from Justice. Like, hey, Philip Winchester, you're hey. up. Yeah. <laughs> so it clearly throws him off. But afterwards, you know, Reese isn't so much stunned as she is furious, which is there. We see a whole new side of Sarah in this episode, and it's awesome. I like it. So, you know, she reminds Dr. Charles that they had both diagnosed him as a malignant narcissist, but not even close to legally insane. And so Dr. Charles is like, you know, why I didn't tell you it's because of this, because you're emotional because of the shooting. Uh, here, here we go again with, you know, everybody kind of blaming everybody else for the reason they're pissed. Um, and it's like, of course she's emotional. You know, I mean, you're her mentor or whatever, but everyone's, I'm assuming, emotional. I'm sure Robin was emotional. I mean, Rhodes is emotional in different ways. Goodwin was emotional because she found him there. You know, I'm surprised you're not, I mean, we don't see this, but, you know, Clearly, this thing has affected Dr. Charles, and it's going to continue to affect him. And I I just think that's a bullshit response because everyone's emotional about it. Yeah, everyone's emotional, and Dr. Charles just has the blinders up. So Reese relays her concerns to Goodwin, but Goodwin says that the only people who can keep Kellogg off the streets are the jury. So later on, back in the courtroom, the attorney tells Dr. Charles that the prosecution has a rebuttal witness. And surprise, it's Sarah. This was awesome. She's really assertive this season. Like, it's fantastic. So she testifies, you know, with her part. And the testimony sets him off. And Kellogg goes crazy. And he's screaming at her and calling her names. And he has to be restrained and dragged out of the courtroom. So Kellogg is found guilty. And Dr. Charles confronts Reese again. So at one point, he just looks at her and he's like, is it conceivable to you that I might have more insight into his behavior than you do? A little harsh, Dr. Charles. Jeez. 
And so Goodwin finally steps in and she tells him that he was trying to make up for missing who Kellogg really was in the first place. And she tells him to let it go, but he just can't. Yeah, no, seriously, Dr. Charles really just needs to, you know, let it go, let it go. That's all I can think (laughs) about. Like, just let it go. The words of Idina Menzel, just let it go. Yeah, I mean, I understand that he can't because obviously, you know, this is a he made a mistake and, you know, it's easy to beat yourself up over that. Right, but at this, I, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, like, he could have died. I just, right. I mean, it's, I, yes, you made a mistake, but at the same time, he ended up hurting you. I, it just, it, mm. yeah. <laughs> I don't even, yeah. No, but I mean, it just, it sucks that Dr. Charles has to, you know, the guy already inflicted so much pain on Dr. Charles and, you know, it just, like, he has to let it go in order to keep it from inflicting further pain. But, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I get it. But he's a little harsh with Sarah. I didn't really like how he treated her, but. No, that's me about, Yeah, and that kind of, it ends on, like, we don't really fully resolve the issue. We just have to kind of assume that he let it go. Or, I mean, we'll see how he ends up next week. I mean, you know, it could be something that this is going to be his storyline for the next couple of episodes and it's going to keep dragging on. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the other, a- another one of the storylines we had was with Connor and Robin. And so Reese is discharging Robin and she's telling she and Rhodes about what she'll need to do at home. And it's like a laundry list of things. So, you know, Reese says that, you know, she's recovered from her t- tumor and condition, but she still has a ton of medication to take and could experience a wide variety of after effects, including irritability and disinhibition. It's a laundry list of things that Robin has to handle at home. And so, you know, we see the first signs of after effects because as soon as Reese leaves the room, Robin is just all over Connor. Not well, no, not like cringing in a bad way, but just she's all over him. And so Connor brings Robin home and she throws herself at him again. And Rhodes has to leave because he has a really big surgery. But then it turns out that he doesn't because good old Dr. Becker took advantage of his absence and swiped it out from under him because she is a quote unquote team player and knew he would be stressing out about bringing Robin home. She's the worst. She is the worst. She is the worst. But the other thing here is that, okay, so Dr. Becker took his surgery, but nobody thought to call him and let him know. Right. She's Med's version of Hope. And that says a lot because we all know how much we hated Hope. That is, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I agree with that. Yikes. But yeah, and so... You know, and the reason that Connor was so pissed about this is because he was just coming off of talking to Sarah in the parking lot about Robin's hypersexuality being one of the side effects. And this scene where where he's talking to Sarah, this is another one that really pissed me off because he just spends the entire scene like doubting her. He's like, are you sure she's okay to be home? Are you sure she's okay to do this? And she's like, yeah. And if you don't believe me, her neurologist and her internist both agreed. Right. And I think the thing that also bothered me, too, was that he's like, you know, I'm trying to figure out if I'm dealing with Robin or her antibodies here. Oh, my God. Just no. Just so all of a sudden he starts doubting his relationship because he realizes that she's going to require extra care. Right. Well, I think he's doubting his relationship because 
you know, the tumor was pressing on a part of her brain and, you know, it made her act differently. So what if the real, you know, the non-tumor version of Robin, you know, doesn't love him? And I think he's kind of maybe just scared. But this is not the way to deal with those worries and concerns by taking it out on everyone else. Right, right. Right. And so, you know, he kind of sparred with her in the parking lot. I wasn't a fan of that. But, you know, he finds out about the surgery that Ava took it from her. And so he storms into the operating room and just chews her out, which seems very out of character for Connor. This doesn't seem like something he would do. Granted, I understand that he's kind of pissed off in this situation. Right. Like, usually when he's upset, like, you see him confront the person, but not like it's in much more of like a calm way like he never stormed into someone's operating room and starts yelling at them for whatever reason he didn't even do that when he and will were really at odds right he always handled it professionally yeah and so yeah he storms into the or and dr latham even kind of takes charge here and he's like get out of the or now what the hell are you doing and it's just interesting because you know, Connor acting this way forces Latham to step up a little bit because Latham wouldn't usually do that where he'd have to get into the OR and take charge and be like, get out now so we can talk. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it, it's weird. And so, yeah, Latham doesn't understand quite what's going on. But then he hands Connor an even better operation. So he goes and hands Rhodes the heart from Will and Natalie's patient. So it's a way better surgery. And we don't mean hands him the heart as in literally handles the heart. <laughs> he just kind of says it to him. He's like, hey, you're going to do this reconstruction. And yeah. And so it kind of works out better. But then Latham later admits that he let Becker twist his arm. And, you know, he didn't. He doesn't quite know why he does what he does. But it worked out for the better. Yeah. So later on, Connor gets a phone call from Robin. And she's worried about their relationship. And, you know, she's talking about when he's coming home and everything. And. This was something weird to me was that why like how why did Connor feel okay with leaving her home alone the first day that she gets back from rehab? Right. And I think it's I think part of well no cuz he was already had that planned surgery cuz I was going to say oh he got called into the hospital on an emergency but no that surgery was already planned the one that Becker took. So I don't know why. I don't know. It kind of shows that Sarah might have been right in what she said about you know if you're not up to taking care of Robin he may not be. No. And he might not be. And that's okay. But then you need to get her the help that she needs so that she can get better. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a moment in here when he's talking to Robin that I just kind of was like, oh, shit, I relate to that. So, you know, Reese had said that one of the things she was going to do was start to, like, m- misplace words and just kind of use words incorrectly, like similar sounding words, just kind of in incorrect context. So she misplaces a word. And the first thing Connor says, he's like, have you been taking your meds? party foul Connor that is a party foul because just trust me it's a party foul and so Robin gets pissed and rightfully so but yeah they kind of he's like yeah I'll be home soon and they hang up and that's that just it's a weird conversation I don't understand why Robin was home alone but again we could discuss that forever so Robin then calls her father and you know the whole episode ends that she she's pretty upset and she tells him that Connor doesn't trust her and he thinks that or she thinks that his feelings for her are part of her disease. And so it's a really sad moment here because Robin's upset and she's crying and she just kind of asks him, she's like, how do I know what's real? And Dr. Charles responds and just says that you can't always trust your brain, but you're usually pretty safe trusting your heart. 
And this kind of left me, this whole storyline, it just left me feeling, I felt worse for Robin than I did for Connor. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds between these two, but I think, I don't think it looks very good. No. No. No, and I just, I feel like there might be a bigger issue at play here because, you know, he did tell Robin that he loves her, but now he's kind of freaking out that, you know, she requires this extra level of care. And so, you know, he struggled pretty big time in this episode. So what does it say about him if it comes to Robin versus his career and then he chooses the latter? Exactly. Yeah, I don't, I have no doubt that he loves Robin. And I think if he had a different career, I wonder if things would be different, if he'd be willing to put in more of the time that Robin needs to, you know, help get better at home and to have someone look out for her. But, you know, being a doctor is a demanding profession. You know, I lived with, you know, my dad's a surgeon. You know, I I saw the effects of that for, you know, I mean, pretty much my whole life I've seen it. And so I know how demanding of a career that is. And, yeah, I mean, it's not something that you can take lightly and nor should it be because – your patients deserve your time and effort and attention. Um, but obviously so do your family and stuff. And it's a tricky balance to work out. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just interesting. So um, another storyline that we got was good old man's dead. And in the past we would usually be like, Oh man's dead, but these two have taken a turn for the better and it's quite a drastic turn. I liked it a lot. So We start off and Natalie has returned from her mystery sabbatical of three months. And clearly, Will is very happy. The minute Maggie points this out to him, he just lights up. And he's like full hard eyes for the rest of the episode. So much hard eyes. So many hard eyes between the two of them. It's pretty great. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. And so, you know, they're immediately thrown back together because there's a couple that comes in, the Cutlers. And they are in... they They were in a horrible accident and... We find out later that they were in the middle of a fight when the accident occurred. And so Natalie treats the husband and Will treats the wife. And the wife is just desperate to apologize to him for what she said during the fight. And, you know, of course, just Will and Natalie hard eyes everywhere. And so later on, Natalie tells the wife that her husband has a brain bleed and that it's pretty serious. And so the wife panics and she's insistent that she go see her husband. But then we find out that he's brain dead. And so things get really awkward really fast here because when they go to notify the wife, on the way to notify the wife, Dr. Latham is like, hey, I heard you have this heart up for grabs. And so they're like, all right, yeah, fine. And so literally they tell they tell the wife that he's brain dead and practically in the same sentence are like, yo, can we have his heart? So, so awkward. So cringeworthy. So bad. So bad. There's no way in hell she had the sound of mind at that point to consent to that. There's no way. But at the same time, this case is so, like, not only does it what made, like, Will and Natalie realize, like, they need to profess their feelings for each other, but, like, this is something that such that, like, while they were working together that both, like, that would happen, you know, one of them having to awkwardly ask you know, the significant other of their patient that something bad happened to for like something. It's just such a Will and Natalie case. It really is. Yeah. So there's still shades <laughs> of the original Manstead in there. Which so many just shades. So bad. Your husband's dead, but can we have his heart? Right. It's like, no, just stop. <laughs> you guys. Stop. Just awkward. So awkward. Yeah. 
And so later on, the wife is, you know, of course, she's upset. And so she asked to meet the young man who received her husband's heart. And it's a it's a touching moment here because she apologizes to him because she can't apologize to her husband. And so, you know, Will and Natalie are just watching from afar and then they're making hard eyes at each other and just hard eyes everywhere. So the end of the episode, this is the last scene of the episode. They're walking out of the hospital and Will tells Natalie that the reason he broke up with Nina is because of his feelings for her. I love this so much because he was so honest and he finally acted like an adult, not a sixth grader. And just I love how he said, it. you know, he's like, those feelings haven't gone away, but I have no expectations. He just kind of put it out there and was like, here, I'm saying my piece. Have at it. And so, you know, Natalie's just watching, but then it could have gotten really awkward here, but thankfully it didn't because Natalie's like, okay, well, the sabbatical I went on, you know, I was, she just looks at him and she's like, it's you. And then they kiss. Yes. Okay. But okay. Here's my little rant. So as cute as that line was, and it was, it was fucking adorable. I have a whole issue. I have like an issue with the Natalie sabbatical being about Will because logistically to me, it doesn't really make any sense because- the night that this episode begins on, the night of Dr. Charles shooting is also the night that Noah's graduation party happened. And yes, while they had a great moment at Noah's graduation party, we forget that like the same day or the day before, she wanted to take Jay to Noah's graduation party. <laughs> so, so what made her go? But true. <laughs> Gina's like done. <laughs> But, okay, but as much as I hate saying that, it's true. So what made her all of a sudden, what about Will? I mean, did their one little moment at Noah's graduation party make her be like, oh, well, maybe I actually do care about Will. I need to go take a three-fucking-month sabbatical and get over my feelings. Like, which is why I think if they had shown us how everyone reacted to Dr. Charles shooting, it would have made much more sense for the Natalie to have gone on the sabbatical and rethink her life. And then in the moments while she's rethinking her life, she realizes that Will is the person she wants to be with. Like that to me makes much more logical sense than just being like, oh yeah, I decided to take a sabbatical so that I can figure out my feelings for Will after we had a really great dance together at a party with that I almost took his brother to. <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense to me does anyone else see that or am i the only one that like this sabbatical thing doesn't make sense yeah, we brought that out so like, now i'm thinking about it now and it really doesn't make any sense i mean if she left for three months clearly she didn't leave right after he was shot so i know they kind of like to operate in real time so technically i guess that means that she went on said sabbatical in what august so she had, what, three months to kind of digest everything. So, yeah, that's why a little bit more context about what happened in that window of time would have gone such a long way. Because right. what prompted her to do that? Because all we see is what we saw from the finale. And that's exactly what you're saying, Brian, is that like, wait, you wanted to take Jay to this thing. So why? Why now? Why did you take a sabbatical to think about him? Right. And it's like you had the moment, the nice moment where you guys danced at his party. And that's great. And I, I mean, it was a cute moment. And I mean, we said this in our finale recap that that was a great moment. And that's not to say that this moment at the end of this episode isn't great because it is. And that line is fucking adorable. And the kiss is great. And all these things. I mean, it's, I'm very happy with where Manstead seems to be going this season. Like, I'm all on board on this right now. But to me, like, logistically, I'm just like, it doesn't make sense. Like, how did we go from you 
wanting to ask this guy's brother to a be your date to a party to now you're making out with him being like it's you like I went on a sabbatical for you it just doesn't make sense to me yeah and now that I think about it now that you bring it up like a three-month vacay to think about will does seem a little extreme right which is why I said it makes a lot more sense to be like oh Dr. Charles got shot nothing in life is guaranteed like I just need to take some time to be with my son and think about things and then if Will, you know, if she just happened to realize she actually has feelings for Will in that m- three months, that totally makes sense. But to, for her to go on a sabbatical because of her feelings for Will literally makes no sense. Right. Right. And like, There's a bunch of plot holes in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, there are. And it's because of the time jump. Right. Yeah. I just, I, like I said, I wish they'd either just scrap the whole little first like two minutes and like shown us flashbacks and maybe we'll get flashbacks and that's just to say that they won't fill in the plot holes later but for right now I'm very confused mm-hmm. on some things yeah. that I feel like we would have benefited from seeing what happened in the time jump I just hope we get to see them maybe in episode two or three mm-hmm. yeah or at least just tell us what we missed so yeah yeah and so you know she says it's you and they kiss and it's adorable actually like yeah, they have this really, really cute kiss. It's the very last scene. And, you know, I definitely noticed that these two have gone from zero to, like, really fucking cute in a very short amount of time. Yeah, it's hallelujah. First of all, it's about fucking time that, you know, me and Seth gets together. But, yeah, they've gone from to really fucking cute. And, I mean, the promo for this week's epi- the episode two that's going to air this week. Where- is that the promo for next, for this week, or is that for the season? No, I think I it's for this week. this season on Chicago Mad. Hmm. Interesting. I thought it was this week. I was just presuming it was this week's. But whatever, the whole Ferris wheel scene, that whole thing looks really cute, whether it airs this week or not. Oh my god, the Ferris wheel thing looks so cute. Even if we saw, like, a second. Oh, so cute. Oh my god. Yeah, they're just fucking cute. Yeah, they just, they went from totally insufferable to a ship that I think I am all aboard. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think they really benefited from the slow burn. Yeah. They really benefited, and this is kind of what I was really hoping, maybe not as bad of a slow burn as as me said, but I this is kind of what I wanted from Verzik. Maybe not to be as insufferable, and those first few much, but I think they would have benefited from a, when I say, I think they would have benefited from not getting together for a little bit longer. I think this is part of the reason why, because I'm way more on board with Manstead than I was earlier on. Yeah. But. I think we have different definitions of a slow burn because they had two seasons, Manstead did. And I'm like, does that really count as a slow burn? And yet, as we know, we talk about Burzik and I'm like, they had a slow burn. They had all of season one. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I just have a warped definition of a slow burn. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what's ahead of them. So another couple that I might not be so excited about, but we'll get into is Chexton, Choi and April. So Choi gets called in to treat a teenager named Ryan who has a fever and he's puking everywhere. Awesome. So he's throwing up and Choi's like, okay, Doris, clean it up. April, run labs. And Doris just kind of notices the looks going on between them. 
So Ryan has another episode where, you know, he can't breathe. They put in a chest tube, whatever. Choi makes the same request. Um, you know, basically they put in the chest tube and the scene is so disgusting. Um, yeah, they they put in the chest tube and like pus goes like flying across the room. Now, here's the deal. I'm not one to get grossed out by medical shows. I can usually handle them pretty well. But this scene was so gross. I think it's the fact that they use the word pus. <laughs> like that word is just so like cringeworthy. Like, if they had yeah. called it, like, bacteria or saliva or, like, whatever, like, like, just anything else, I would have been like, oh, okay. But just, like, the word pus just, like, ugh, makes me cringe. <laughs> yeah, and I just, when they went to put it in, it shot across the room. And I know I, like, recoiled from the couch. I was like, ah, gross. But nobody was alarmed by this. Troy was just like, moving on. I just... <laughs> Yeah, I would have like jumped on something like or a bug. I would have been like, ah, kill it, kill it. It's gross. And so that happens, and there's more pus just like oozing out of the incision. Ah, gross, gross, gross. And Troy does the same thing, and he tells Doris to clean it up and April to run labs. And Doris gets kind of bitchy here because she's like, I'm sick of doing all this dirty work and cleaning up, cleaning up the vomit and everything just because you and Troy are sleeping together. And April's like, excuse me. And as she should be. Okay, technically, I can see why he did that because Doris was on the side closest to all that fun stuff. So back up, Doris. But yeah, it just, oh, that scene was just uh, gross. So uh, later on, April confronts Choi about what Doris said. And April's like, you know, Doris thinks we're sleeping together. Did you say something? And Choi's like, no, I didn't say anything. So Ethan says it's great if the news is out, but April wants to keep it under wraps because Ethan is a doctor and April is a nurse. And something she says, a couple things she says here, she's like, you know, I don't want to be that cliche. And Troy's like, no, we're not a cliche. Like, you know, we're not. And she's like, that's easy for you to say because you're the doctor. So I don't know. I don't like the foundation these two are setting down because. No, not at all. I just. I understand April wanting to keep it under wraps, but at the same time, like, this is not fucking Grey's Anatomy. Just, like, move on. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter. Just, like, pick how you want your relationship to go and just move on. But I don't, I don't I just like Choi, and I just want Choi to be happy. Yeah, and just April needs to decide what the hell she wants here because neither of them have time to sneak around and care about what other people think. Nobody has time for that, and Choi does not deserve that. No, he does not. Yeah, he doesn't deserve it. And so it just seems to me like April is being really skittish here. And I get that, you know, she's coming off of a doomed engagement. Not doomed, but, you know, she's coming off of a failed engagement, so she wants to be cautious. But I just can't shake the feeling that these two are doomed. Yeah, it just, yeah, the stars are not aligning for them. It does not seem. Yeah, I'm not on board with this. Not, no. And I'm not, and I just, I'm I'm on board with it for Ethan's sake, not so much for April's. I just want April to get it together. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, and so, no. Yeah, and so Doris later on corners April in the supply closet because she's a bitch. Was this our first time seeing, like, I know a lot of people on Twitter were like, am I wrong? Is this the first time we're seeing Doris? It's not, is it? 
I think it's the first time we've seen her in this capacity. I'm sure she was a background player last season. Okay. That's what I thought, but... I hate to bring this back to Grey's Anatomy because we do it all the time, but you remember Nurse Olivia? Yeah. Yeah. I think she's kind of like that. Or, um, what's the night shift? Uh, Jocelyn. Yeah. 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 Rest in peace, night shift. (sighs) We miss you so much. (laughs) So, yeah, Doris corners April in the supply closet because she's mean, and she pretty much asks her point blank. She's like, am I wrong that, you know, you you and Dr. Troy are sleeping together? First off, Doris, it's none of your business. So... Leave April alone. It's not nice. And April's like, no, you're wrong. We're not. Well, she doesn't say we're not. She just tells Doris that she's wrong. So we find out later that the patient has an abscess in his brain due to an infection that has spread. This is one of those medical cases that I was like, oh, damn. So it basically started with a dental problem that there was like an abrasion on his gum or something. And that's a good way for bacteria to get in. And so he didn't say anything to his mother about the toothache that started it all because he wanted to he didn't want his mom to worry, basically. So to this, I say way to terrify all of us into going to the dentist writers. Now we're all scared. Thank you for that. But actually, though. But actually, though. Yeah. Now we're all terrified. So thank you. Um. Yeah, and so the kid just says that he didn't want his mother to worry, and he says, you know, I'm an idiot, and April's like, no, you were just trying to do what you thought was best. So she talks to Ethan outside, and Ethan's like, you know, our secret, it's up to you. All I want is for you to be comfortable. Now, if we were a little more tech-savvy and we could, like, edit songs into this podcast, we'd probably put that What a Man song from salt and Peppa because that's such a good thing for Ethan to say. Like, what a good man that he's just like, I want you to be comfortable. It's up to you. What song are you talking about? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this always happen? I probably know what you're – if it's what I'm thinking of, is it the one – no, never mind. I'm not even going to try to sing it. But, like you – know I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it because – Let's see. Is it the one that goes like? I know what you're talking about. Is it the one that goes like? Is that it? Yes, yes, that is it, and I'm finding it right now. Yes. Okay, I do know what you're talking about. I didn't realize it was by Salt and Pepper. Okay. (laughs) You're just like jamming out over there, but okay. So we do know what we're talking about. Never mind. We can move on. Then yes, that is a great song. We do. (laughs) (laughs) But for real though, like. That's really good of Dr. Choi to say. (laughs) So I know we've gone like completely wheels off now. So yeah, they are leaving and or Choi's going to leave and he and April share a really cordial good night. You know, April's just like, good night, Dr. Choi. And he's like, good night, April. And Doris just kind of watches because Doris is a nosy bitch who can't mind her own business. But yeah, that kind of wraps up the Chexton storyline there which is just i i want to ship them i want to like them but i just it's not there i think for me it's because there hasn't really been any whole like really any declaration of feelings you know it's never like in this scene if you're saying you know he's like i want you to be comfortable like you know he should have said like obviously i want you to be comfortable but he also said like i should i want you and i want you to remember that like, just something that shows that, like, you're actually into each other and this isn't just, like, a friends with benefits thing. Like, I don't know. There right, wasn't even any build-up to it. It wasn't, like, in season two or whatever. They didn't even, like, build up to it. They just kind of put them together, didn't they? 
It was the weirdest, like, reverse buildup ever. Because it was the episode before the finale. And they spent the whole time fighting over this patient. So April was upset at the end. And Choi just went up there and, like, leaned in for the kiss. I was like, awkward. Yeah, it was a reverse buildup, which just weird. Weird, weird. Yeah, it's all weird. It's all weird. But you're right, uh, Bryna. They haven't really said anything to each other. Though, I can't remember when Choi found her at Noah's graduation party did he say anything or did he just like walk up and kiss her I don't remember but if there was if he did say anything it wasn't much yeah it was maybe like one or two lines yeah so basically we need these two to have a meaningful conversation yep and then we might feel better about them yep so yeah um, the last storyline that there was to talk about, was this the last, let me scroll here, was Maggie and Dr. Stoll. So I don't know about you guys here, but I had the reaction when Dr. Stoll resurfaced. I was just like, oh, Dr. Stoll is back. That's fine. Why? Yeah. Not crazy about it, because I feel like the only bit of Dr. Stoll that we've seen was from the finale where he spent the whole time whining. Yeah, like, if you maybe if you show us, like, actually interacting with a patient or actually doing surgery or whatever he does, maybe I'll feel a different way about him. But, yeah, I'm not a fan of Dr. Stoll. And I love Maggie, so, like, this is so, like, this was bad. Right, so, yeah, and so the episode opens and Stoll makes a comment to Maggie while they're both at the nurse's desk about how it's ironic that Kellogg is trying to get off with an insanity plea for shooting a psychiatrist. He makes a note that they should up security and Maggie just reminds him that the people they need to worry about most are not afraid of guns. So speaking of guns, Dr. Stoll has a gunshot patient and he discharges him at the beginning of the episode. But then the patient comes back because there was no one to stay with him in case the gunman returned. And so Maggie gives him 24 hours to stay. Now, this situation is interesting because I've never heard of a circumstance like that where they're like, okay, somebody has to be home with you just in case the gunman comes back. And that somebody's not a cop. It's like a family member. I guess it's also, I don't know anyone. And maybe this is the case in bigger cities. I don't know. But like, no one's usually transporting an underage kid back. Usually they have to have a parent come sign them out, like to discharge them or someone over the age of 18. So usually that's this never seems to be an issue because someone who's always over the age of 18 signs a person out. Like I've never seen transport come back for someone who's under 18 and like I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like that part's weird. Yeah, I got to go back and see if they like kind of explain that a little. Maybe he was under court protection for some reason, but I found that really interesting. And so Dr. Stoll finds the patient in the hallway of the ED and Stoll calls Maggie and informs her that they don't run a hotel. And, you know, if they get shot again, that's not their problem. Everybody's just full of like ice cold things to say in this episode. Right. I think it was funny. He's like, he's like, you know, they treat him and treat him. And like, yeah, that's their job is, you know, for them to just treat him and then move on. But at the same time, you know, it's hard not to care when, something bad could go wrong Mm -hmm. yeah and so maggie says that it might be okay for people who live on his street to be treated and streeted but not for this patient's street and so you know she confronts him about forgetting about those who live with the fear of getting shot every day and stoll basically says that they can't correct society's ills all they can do is patch them up and send them on 
Ugh. So he watches as Maggie sends the patient home again. And as they're coming out, he just kind of performs some basic tests and the patient pretends not to feel anything. And so Stoll says that he suspects that he missed out on some nerve damage earlier and wants to admit him for physical and occupational therapy. And Maggie smiles and wheels him back in. And that's the end of that. I mean, I just didn't really care for this whole thing. Like, I, maybe this was just to make us like Stoll more. No, I just, I wish this kind of, this storyline kind of seemed like filler. And for me, I would rather use that like five minutes or so that they spent on the storyline or six or seven, however many minutes they spent on this storyline. Like, I'd rather rather have seen flashbacks of the Dr. Charles stuff. Like, I would have rather have seen this particular storyline like maybe two or three episodes from now like i just wish they'd use the time in the premiere episode to focus more on the whole aftermath of dr charles yeah it's time that could have been spent on something else. like i like this storyline i just feel like not for the premiere when there's so much else happening in so many other storylines like and i saw someone put this on twitter i don't know if they sent this to a message in us or sent a message to us about this which where i saw it but i saw it on twitter somewhere that, you know, we, they kind of maybe alluded to more Noah and Reese in the finale, and we got one scene of them. Like, I maybe would have rather seen a little bit more of that. Like, you know, another storyline from the finale transfer back into the premiere. Like, there's some little things that I wish from the finale that I wish would have been addressed more with this time rather than this Mm storyline. Not to say I don't like the storyline. I just wish it was in, like, two or three episodes from now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully it's part of a bigger arc and maybe we'll end up liking Dr. Stoll. Who knows? But for the for the premiere, I'm with you. It was just kind of it felt like filler. So that's about all that happened in the episode. You know, um, just generally, Bryna, start us off here. What what was your general idea of the premiere? I really liked the premiere. I mean, I didn't watch it live because I was watching Dance to the Stars, I will admit. Um <laughs> But yay Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yay Jordan. But um I re- I really enjoy this episode a lot more than I think I thought I would. Um I'm excited to see what this season holds. There's a lot of storylines that I am excited about, you know, the Rhodes and Robin stuff, the Manstead stuff. Um there's a there's some things I need to be a little more convinced on for sure, but it could happen. Uh but yeah, I think this is a really solid premiere overall. Um yeah. Ashley, what about you? Uh, it was a good premiere. I think we're in for a very good season. Yeah, it feels like we are. It feels I feel better about season three than I did about seasons one and two. Agree, and I feel definitely I definitely stick by my comment that season three is gonna be their breakout season. Mm-hmm. Like even just yeah. the medicine stuff, like I just feel better about it. Like it was just more enjoyable to watch this time around. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely and something i noticed that i jotted down as a random note you know all of a sudden it feels like there are a lot of characters there's I noticed so that throughout the many episode. characters yeah like we didn't pick up on troy and sexton until probably like act two and i was like oh yeah there's them and even then we'd come back to like latham and eva and i was like oh yeah them too there's a lot of characters all of a sudden but i'm not complaining because this gives us a lot more to focus on and a lot more to see and a lot more to watch yeah agree so did you guys have any random notes that about the episode no, that we I may mean, not have addressed. Yeah, I think we addressed it all. I'm like I said, I'm really excited to see what the rest of the season holds. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I think that is the end of today's episode. Um, as always, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are meet us at Molly's. Slide into our DMs, send us emails to meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. We love to hear from all of you. Um, we haven't quite worked out the schedule for the next two weeks because we've got med and PD for a two-week period here before PD goes off for midseason. I we will have a new episode on Friday. We just don't know if it's gonna be med and PD or just PD or just med we or quite- we don't know yet. We don't know yet. We will have a new episode on Friday. We just don't know what it's going to be. So, yeah, that is the end of today's episode. Just keep your eyes peeled to social media. We'll figure that out and we'll let you know. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. And Ashley? I'm at Ashnake095. So, like we said, we hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and didn't break the bank on Black Friday. And everybody have an awesome week. Hope it's not too bad going back to work. And we will see you on Friday. Bye.